The 2024 Baylor football schedule is out, and there are wins on this schedule. This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked on Baylor brought to you by FanDuel. Thank you for making your first listen today and every day. We're the only place outside of the great university that is giving you nothing but Baylor athletics content every day. I'm your host, Cam Stewart. Today, we've got the Big 12 football schedule dropped, which includes Baylor's 2024 football schedule being dropped We, of course, have to look at tonight's game in basketball as the men travel out to Orlando to play a pesky, pesky UCF team. And then I got to thinking, Brittany Griner's jersey is getting retired. Are there some on the men's side that need to get retired as well? The women have been doing it for years, and they're great at it now that they've got Griner in there. But do the men need to as well? We're going to talk about that and who that should be later on in the show. But, of course, starting with the big news out of football is the schedule dropped yesterday. Um, we kind of we knew what games were going to be at home, which games were going to be on the road, but now we get to see it actually panned out. And I wish I could get more excited, but like I don't feel great about this upcoming season. That'll change, of course, by the time August rolls around. But here is your 12 games for Baylor. By the way, six home games, six road games this year, not the eight and four split that seemed so generous before last year that obviously did not come to fruition. Baylor went one and seven at home. Anyway, week one, Tarleton at home. Week two at Utah, home against Air Force at Colorado, home to BYU at Iowa State. Idle on October 12th. I'm feeling good about that one. At Tech on October 19th, Oklahoma State at home, TCU at home, Idle again at West Virginia on November the 16th, at Houston November the 23rd, and November 30th, home to Kansas. All right, wrap it up. Roll credits. Run the show. We're done. Okay, fine, fine. I'll give some analysis of this. Uh, By the way, that Utah game in week two is not a conference game because it was already on the schedule. I'm, I'm not sure. I never really understood why they can't just make that a conference game. I don't know. Um, but it's it's happening elsewhere in the Big 12 as well. Arizona is playing at Kansas State this year, and so that is also considered a non-conference game. So a little weird. Um, I, I think I'm just going to go Mike and the Mad Dog with this one um, and just see which ones are wins and losses as we look at it on January 31st. Okay, Tarleton, win, hopefully, please. Please, hopefully, win. At Utah, loss. Dog, dog. What about September 7th, Utah? Uh, loss. Loss, Mikey. Sorry, that's my Mike and the Mad Dog. Um, September 14th against Air Force. Ooh, that's a toss-up, y'all. That, that we're going to learn a lot about Baylor. Uh, Air Force was a ranked team in the middle of the season last year, and deservedly so. I know they didn't finish the season ranked, but that was not like a fluky. I think they went 9-3. and three. Uh, like they're, they're, That was a good team. Um, you already faced them in 2022 and lost, got doubled up by them. And you know what they're going to do. It's a triple option team. They're not going to pass. Um, that doesn't mean you just beat them. I mean, look at the 
teams that lost them last year or the year before, like Baylor. But it would be a, it'll be a great test of these players' wills. They know what's coming. Can they stop it? They couldn't all of last year. So we're going to learn a lot in that Air Force game. The real intriguing one to me is the next week at Colorado. Coach Prime, Dion and Shadur Sanders in Boulder. First time there in God knows how many years. I don't know when they leave the conference a long time ago. Uh, and I, I just don't know what Colorado is. Like, do we know if they're a good team? No, we have no idea. I don't even know if Dion's a good coach. We he he went went to the the biggest level of college football and went four and eight in season one. I'm of course going to give him a longer leash than that. That's why I'm not saying he's trash. Uh, but they were the most overhyped team in the country, and they brought in a ton of transfers last year. They're bringing in a ton of transfers this year. If this was a middle of the season matchup last year, I would have thought you know that's that's a Colorado win. Like if I had to look at it on paper because. I thought both teams were a mess, and we don't know a lot about Baylor, including at the quarterback position, but we do know that about Colorado, man. They've got a playmaker in Shadur Sanders at quarterback. So right now, looking at that as a loss, but it could be a win. This next one is a bit of a toss-up for me. Home against BYU. BYU was a 5-7 and seven team last year, and that's what a lot of people will say and see, and they'll just say 5-7 and seven team. That was a scrappy bunch of Mormons out there in that BYU football team. I mean, they almost wrecked our party for uh, not having an all OU Texas uh, Big 12 championship because they almost beat Oklahoma State on the last game of the season in Stillwater. Like that was that was a, a better team than five and seven. I'll say that. I mean, they did really struggle at times uh, offensively, especially running the ball. But that's a toss up. It's also possibly, I mean, it is the return, but we'll see if he's the starter. Return of Gary Bohannon, man. That's going to be an interesting one. He should get a rousing applause. Um, and Baylor is 1-0 against BYU in games at McLean Stadium where Gary Bohannon plays. Then again, Gary Bohannon is also 1-0 in games that involve BYU at McLean Stadium. So something's got to give. At Iowa State, don't love that matchup. I liked the way that Iowa State rallied last year. I think they're going to have a a good team this year, not a not a really good team, but a good team. Um, and that one's on the road. I think that's a loss. October 12th, I feel good. That's not going to be a loss. That's idle. I like that. At Tech on the 19th, still, again, I mean, there's a bunch, there's question marks for every team in the Big 12, like legitimate question marks for, I think, every team. And a lot of them are at quarterback. Tech, this is the year for the step up, year three under Joey McGuire. It's supposed to be Baron Morton's kind of breakout party. I have a feeling like two years ago, that is going to be a night game, blackout. And unlike two years ago, I think Baylor's going to lose that one. Oklahoma State at home on the 26th. That is homecoming. They have the best player in the Big 12 and Ollie Gordon. Don't like that one. November 2nd, TCU. Baylor always loses to TCU. So don't love that one either. November 16th at West Virginia. Name a time they won at West Virginia, and I'll feel confident about it. But no matter what, that place has got the voodoo. Baylor cannot win there. November 23rd at Houston. Not saying that should, but that could be a W. Excuse me. I would have loved to have Willie Fritz, you know, new coach earlier in the season because 
you you could still run into a team that's that's still figuring it out. Late in the season, they probably have figured it out. That doesn't mean they're necessarily good. Um, but at, at least on the positive side of having them late in the season with a first-year head coach on the other side is you do have the film on them. And I really hope Baylor's just more prepared for games this year than they were last year. And then November 30th. I don't love this game at all, man, for a lot of different reasons. Kansas Jayhawks come into Waco. Jeff Grimes' return. Jeff Grimes' revenge tour. Um, They were going to be a quite good football team even without Jeff Grimes, and I loved that hire for them for the, the style that they run and that they were very good at. Jeff Grimes is the best at. So last game of the regular season, Kansas could well be in a situation where it's win and you're in to the Big 12 championship game and Baylor has not lost them in 15 years. I think that streak comes to an end. How many did I give them? Did I give them five wins there? Tarleton, Air Force, why not? BYU, yes, three, uh, four wins. That'll change. Let me know what you think about how many wins are on the schedule, how you like the breakdown. Some good away days, by the way, at Colorado. That's a good one. At Tech, I, I would love to go to that. I, I would love to go to Lubbock, um, said all those people. And at Salt Lake City. I mean, that's a fantastic that's a fantastic couple of road games. So let me know what you think about this schedule. Where are you going to go on the road this year? I, I like to think just in my head it's more than four wins, but when I look at that schedule, it kind of makes me think twice about things. Anyway, we'll be back right after this message from FanDuel. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. And we are in it, y'all. We are still, what, 11 days away? From Super Bowl 58, it's the best betting day of the year, right? You just you find your seat on the couch. You get your good pigs in a blanket and all your other snacks, your queso, and you put down some bets, some fun bets, okay? I love doing the Gatorade bath color. It's my favorite prop bet to do all year, so I will be doing that again. FanDuel has so many ways for you to win on Super Bowl Sunday, even if yours or my team are not going to be there, so they can't win. There's a way for you to win still. Not only can you bet on who will win, Super Bowl 58, because that's great, but it's not the fun part. FanDuel also has bets for which players are going to score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, over-under on that national anthem, and so, so much more. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. That's $200 in bonus bets if your first first bet of $5 or more wins. Just join FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Basketball. They were placed it tonight. Going on the road to Orlando facing UCF for the first time ever. And if you're like me, you had before this season UCF as last in the conference. No other way to sugarcoat it. I didn't know anything about the program really um, and didn't think they had a bright spot. Um, I had them in West Virginia wallowing at the bottom. They're still, I think, 11th in the conference. Oh, I should have had the standings there. But they are no pushover at all. They just lost to Cincinnati on the road. It was a tough team that Baylor beat. But 
they beat Texas on the road and they beat Kansas in their first Big 12 game. They beat Kansas. So if you think this is just going to be a pushover because you don't know anyone that's ever played there, I can't help you. This is not going to be a pushover. Um, Johnny Dawkins, the coach over there, um, is has done a tremendous job. Uh, by the way, if you have not seen Johnny Dawkins as a player, as a college player, like look him up on YouTube after you're done watching this video because he was an, a phenomenal college player, like a great, great scorer. In fact, I think he was Duke's all-time leading scorer for like 20 years before J.J. Redick broke it. Um, he was just a fantastic, like the smooth offensive basketball we love. Johnny Dawkins did that. And I bring that up because his team is ready for the Big 12 because they think about one thing and one thing only, and that is defense. They lost 68-57 to to Cincinnati on the, at the weekend. And in his press conference this week, they asked, hey, what's something you needed to improve on from that? And you know what he said? Our defense. They didn't score 60 points, and he said, our defense got to get better than that. Basically saying we should be scoring 57 points and winning basketball games. He's got a commitment to it. Here's what he had to say about what they need to do against Baylor. Uh, I think what we need to do is we need to concentrate on what we do well, and and that's defend, and that's you know trying to make it a half court game where you know we can kind of lock in defensively and and play UCF defense. I mean it's uh it's always going to be a challenge no matter what because like I said they're, they're well coached, they have terrific talent, and uh, so we have to just be focused when we go out there defensively. Yep, sounds about right. Need to slow Baylor down. Baylor's still number one in scoring points per game in offense in, in the Big 12. So that's what they're looking at. We've got to slow them down, half-court game, don't let them run on us. I don't think Baylor's like a outstanding transition team, but not something you want to do. And so, okay, if that doesn't convince you that they care about defense, here's what future Hall of Fame coach Scott Drew said about UCF. When they asked him, hey, Scott, what do you see from UCF? This is all he said. UCF defensively. Um, starts with that um, size, length, athleticism. They uh, uh, across the board eighth best defense in the nation. Um, a lot of experience, a lot of seniors, a lot of old guys that have uh, been to two, three schools. So I mean, uh, they they understand they can change, uh, mix their defenses up really well. Um, uh, do a lot of things that make you feel uh, uncomfortable, and especially on the road, that's hard. Defense, defense, defense. Number eight in the nation in defense, according to Ken Palm, and third in the Big 12, which is more a testament to the Big 12 than it is a, a knock on them because they're still, at third, they're allowing 64 points a game. Like, how many games do you win scoring 64 points? That's elite stuff. Like, Houston, it's Houston, Iowa State, and then UCF. And the two ahead of them are legitimately maybe the top two defenses in the country. Houston, undoubtedly number one, by the way. Houston is number one defensively in points per game allowed by nine points. That's disgusting. The difference between one and two is the difference between two and 12 in this conference. And like, this UCF team is suffocating. Yeah, they don't, they don't have... 
they're a lot like Cincinnati in that they don't have like these great shot makers. And that's really what won Baylor the game down the stretch against Cincinnati. They, they switched to his own defense, but they, they had guys that made shots and Cincinnati didn't. They had three good looks at the basket in the last minute and didn't score. Um, UCF is a lot like that. Leading score um, is just at, what is it, 15 a game. So, I mean, n- n- nobody's lighting it up at, at UCF. Doesn't mean they can't beat you by any means, but um, that they're a lot like that Cincinnati team that Baylor needed a second-half comeback to beat by a, by a pretty slim margin. Um, so do not take this team lightly. 65 points a game. Baylor, amazingly, still at number one. I don't think they will be in terms of points per game after this one because they're only half a point per game better than BYU. Um, But 85.1. TCU in third really helped them having three overtimes, 83.6. But the, the good thing about this, win or lose, hopefully a win because a loss would not be a good thing in, in really any stretch. But what it does is it gets Baylor prepared for some big games down the stretch because um, the next week you got Iowa state who is that number two defense, um, which would be comfortably the number one defense in most conferences. UCF could sub out and be the number one defense in a lot of conferences. But then later on, it's like three weeks from now um, you've got Houston, which is just a whole nother animal, by the way. Um, I know this is a UCF segment, but watching that UCF game against UT the other night, they're the front runners, man. The Cougars are the front runners. Like they're the favorites. They are in a there are only two teams in this conference that are in a tier by themselves. It's Houston at the top, it's Oklahoma State at the bottom. And there's tiers to this, there's levels to this. I, I think tech is a real good team. Um, and then you kind of have that middle. Uh, Kansas and tech, sure. And then you kind of have that middle. Baylor, BYU. Uh, Oklahoma, absolutely. Iowa State, Texas, Kansas. Like, they're all kind of then then there in the middle. Um, and UCF is probably in that penultimate tier. But that doesn't mean they can't beat you. Again, they beat Kansas. like, um, And they have a much better environment than they're used to having. Uh, they have a lot more students going to the games. We know... Um, how that can look in football, in other games, because, of course, they all left early against Baylor, and this is one of the few games I can actually brag about football, looking at basketball season. Hey, that's a fun one. Uh, But I think this is going to be a tough test for Baylor tonight. Maybe this is just my absolute wishful thinking, but I think they're going to pull it out uh, close on the road, which has been a tough place for them anywhere on the road this year. And um, they have not lost four straight games, which is on the cards tonight. They have not lost four straight games since 1819. Um, I was still in school, so it's been a long time. And now I have a bald spot. So it's been a long time since Baylor's lost four straight games. I am hoping against all hope, and I'm just going to predict that it's not going to happen tonight. I like Baylor in this one, but I like it close. I I, I don't think UCF is, is going to roll over by any means. I think they're going to make life really, really difficult for Baylor. All right, enough of the sports talk. I get serious with you guys for a minute, okay? You know, we do this to escape, but there's a lot of crazy realities there that sometimes we just need to face. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin in the middle of the worst flu season in in over a decade, okay? It's scary if you're getting sick. And and I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than, than, than you or someone you know 
getting sick and not being able to get to that life-saving medication that they need because of a supply chain issue. That just seems so bad. Uh, thankfully, we'll be okay when you go to Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among many others. This stuff, I mean, really could happen to any one of us there, but for the grace of God, go I. Visit jacemedical.com, complete that physician encounter. It's going to be reviewed by our doctor, and your medications are going to be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com, use the offer code locked on to get $20 off the first order. That's jace, like case, J A S E medical.com, and the offer code locked on for $20 off that first order. All right. So obviously, we've got the great news the other day of Brittany Griner's number going to get retired. Jersey going to get raised to the rafters at the Foster Pavilion on February 18th. Going to be a great day. Overdue. Best basketball player ever to play at Baylor. And it, they asked Scott Drew about it, the media, they, um, in his in his press conference looking ahead to UCF. And one thing he mentioned, of course, he mentioned it was great for her and for the university. But he kind of said that it was something they were looking to do in the Foster. Like raise the jerseys up. And so it got me to thinking, uh, the women have always been on top of retiring jerseys. You know, Sophia Young, uh, Odyssey Sims, Neo Davis. We got to get Nia Johnson up there sometime. But like, they're on top of it. They've got it. And so I thought, who should the men be retiring jerseys for? Because honestly, I don't know that they have any. Because when I look at some of the great players ever to play here, I, I know other players who have worn those numbers. And so I, I'm not going to do the four-year standard that... Kim Mulkey and a lot of other teams do, uh, like the Lady Bears do. So I am just looking at a list. This was just off the dome. I didn't want to think too, too much about it um, so that it could be controversial uh, of who the Baylor men's team should retire the jerseys for. First and foremost, second all-time leading scorer, probably, the, I mean, the best scorer ever to play at Baylor because he's second all-time leading scorer in team history and he was only there for two seasons and the best nickname of them all. The microwave, Vinny Johnson, starts with that. Number 15, got to be up there. And one of the great pros, by the way. Uh, Game-winning shot to win the NBA Finals. No big deal. Uh, Lace Dunn, number 24, all-time leading scorer at Baylor and was just a bucket, man. I mean, truly a knockdown shooter before that was really cool. Um, back when those guys were mostly bit players, he was not... Um, but he was an outstanding, outstanding three-point shooter and was the, the talisman, at least scoring-wise, on some really good teams um, in the late aughts and the, and the early 2010s. Of course, he was on that 2010 Elite Eight team. Third in the list, Terry Teagle, number 20. Not a bright spot in, in Baylor basketball history, but he was an outstanding player. Um, Three-time all Southwest Conference first team, Southwest Conference player of the year, and played like 12 seasons in the NBA, like a long NBA career. Um, Terry Teagle absolutely deserves that. Uh, next one is a little bit more modern again. Pierre Jackson, 55. I, I had someone in the comments um, yesterday about Brittany Griner asking if Pierre Jackson was actually the best player. I think that's what he meant. Uh, he said PJ. Um, no, Brittany Griner's better, but Pierre Jackson was an outstanding, outstanding player, and they got him from 
was at the College of Southern Idaho. Like, talk about just an absolute diamond in the rough find by Scott Drew. I'm sure plenty of people saying he was too small. Um, fantastic player at Baylor. His senior year, I'm looking at the numbers, 20-7 and seven his senior year. Uh, two times he was second team all Big 12 and went out on a high winning the NIT and the MVP of the NIT. That's pretty good. And, and again, a very successful era. Talking about successful eras and MOP awards. This is not a four-year guy. This is the first one since, or second one overall. First one since Vinnie Johnson. That's not a four-year guy. Jared Butler. I know there are a couple of different guys from that team that, I mean, they should all be honored, but who you could go with here. But Jared Butler was the best player on that team and was for a couple of years. In 21, he was a first-team All-American Obviously, most outstanding player in the Final Four and should have been Big 12 Player of the Year that year. He was robbed. Uh, Cade Cunningham had a great season, but Jared Butler was a little bit better. Um, and he was a two-time first-team All-Big 12. And in 2021, he actually made the first-team All-Big 12 defense. Not a lot of people remember him for that because he was such a great offensive player. Uh but was also a pretty darn good defender too. In fact, Baylor had two guards that were first team all big 12 defense that year with him and Davion Mitchell. And the, I mean, if nothing else, the best player on the best ever Baylor team should get his number up there. Now I know there are some good ones left off there. Honorable mentions. It was tough to leave Quincy AC off and I wouldn't mind him getting his number retired at all. It was just more of a numbers thing. Um, Quincy AC, that, that's one. Um, Mark Vidal? I know he's not the most skilled player there, but um, was probably the leader of that of that national championship team and like did a lot of great things that didn't show up on the scoreboard. Like uh, Dennis Rodman has his number retired so uh, with the Pistons. So if I wouldn't be surprised. And he's uh, their second all-time winningest player, I think, uh, behind Flo Thamba. And Jonathan Chamwachachua, I'm sure we'll we'll pass that, um, but just more not necessarily the numbers for me. Um, you know, Tweety Carter and and Ekbayudo and um, Isaiah Austin had a great career with Baylor, and obviously a great story. Um, so there are some other guys, absolutely up for mention. Uh, but I'm you know I'm still a young guy, so I'm probably missing some players in there. I would love to hear back from from you guys about that on, on who you would love to see having their Jersey retired at Baylor. I, I don't want them to become uh Carolina. North Carolina has like 40 jerseys hanging up there. Duke has a bunch. Um, Kansas has a couple, like it's not, I, I don't want it to become that, but it's the highest honor you can get from a team. So I think it needs to be really the best of the best. And those are the guys I'm looking at. And certainly for my era to have Jared Butler in there seems like, a no-brainer, but look, no pressure. You guys got some time on that. What do you guys think about the retired numbers? How are you feeling about the game tonight? Drop your score predictions down in the comments below. How are you feeling about the 2024 football schedule? Are you more optimistic than I am? I hope so. I'll come around to it. Um, I'd love to see how the guys look in spring ball first, um, but there's just a lot of unknowns until we actually kick off the season. So um, let me know what you think about that in the comments below. Be sure to like and subscribe, and thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. We'll be back at you tomorrow with the men's basketball post game and also previewing a very good matchup for the ladies against Texas. That's tomorrow on Locked on Baylor.